Good morning. Well, it's time for us to carry on with the story of the early church in Acts. I wonder what it would have been like. Have you been imagining it if you've been here with us in the last couple of weeks? What would it have been like to be part of that early church? Well, there were people who were free. I think that's one way you could put it. People who'd been freed by Jesus, forgiven of their sins, washed clean. So their past didn't define them anymore. Freed of, of having to, to impress people. That's a way that we imprison ourselves sometimes, isn't it? I'm free of the opinions of other people because the God of all the world, Jesus, who made us, had made them, well, he loved them. He'd shown that to them. He was alive. Even death wasn't something that could tie them down. And so they were free, free to love one another, free to love God, free to give things away. And freedom, I think, is one of the themes that maybe um, we could sum up the story so far with. But, but it doesn't come easy. This freedom that they have in this story has been difficult, especially over the last couple of weeks and the last few chapters. We've begun to see this church that's growing in love, growing in number, growing in influence, becomes a place where things are beginning to get difficult too. We've had at least two times so far when there seems to have been kind of attacks on the church. The first is from the authorities. A few weeks ago, back in chapter four, the authorities in Jerusalem drag Peter and John before the council and they tell them to shut up, to stop talking about Jesus. But they don't. And they get put in prison for a little bit, but then um, they're let go and they carry on. And then there's the next attack. The next attack is not from the outside, but it's from within. Ananias and Sapphira, that sad, sad story from last week of hypocrisy, of people not just failing, not just kind of failing to live up to their own standards or to God's standards, but people who were intentionally false, intentionally trying to hide what they really were, robbing from God, lying to God, robbing from people, lying to people. They weren't just failures, they were false, hiding what they really were, and that was a real risk to the fellowship. That's what we looked at last week. It would have rotted the church from the inside out. That was the challenge that we should be people who are walking in the light. Well, this week is it's all about freedom. Another attack comes on the church. It's pretty similar to the first one. It's the same people being dragged before the same authorities, told the same thing to be quiet about Jesus. But we're gonna see two things this week. In the face of this difficulty, in the face of these attacks, they're free. The people of God are still free even when they're put in prison, even when they're beaten up, even when they're told to be quiet. God's good news is free and runs throughout the city and fills it up with life, with good news. That's what the story is all about this week. So this is the question as I read it to you now. Who's in prison and who's free? Think of that question as we go. Who's imprisoned and who's truly free? Okay, let me read it to you. We're going to read from Acts chapter 5 from verse 12. Acts chapter 5 verse 12. The apostles... Jesus' followers, the ones who'd been with him, who'd seen him alive, who were charged to go and be his witnesses to the world, the apostles, performed many signs and wonders among the people. And all the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade. No one else dared join them, even though they were highly regarded by the people. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. As a result, people brought those who were ill into the streets and laid them on beds and mats so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as they passed by, as he passed by. 
Crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing those who were ill and those tormented by impure spirits, and all of them were healed. Amazing, isn't it? Amazing progress. But then the pressure, the persecution comes. Then the high priest and all his associates, who were members of the party of the Sadducees, these are the ruling elite, the really important, the wealthy, the powerful people in Jerusalem, they're filled with jealousy. Verse 18, they arrested the apostles and put them in the public jail. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. Go, stand in the temple courts, the angel said, and tell the people all about this new life. At daybreak, they entered the temple courts, as they'd been told, and began to teach the people. When the high priest, this is comedy, when the high priest and his associates arrived, they called together the Sanhedrin, the, the full assembly of the elders of Israel, and sent to the jail for the apostles. All these posh, important people gathered together, ruling, about to show how powerful they are, but on arriving at the jail, the officers didn't find them there. So they went back and reported, we found the jail securely locked, with the guards standing at the doors. But when we opened them, we found no one inside. On hearing this report, the captain of the temple guard and the chief priests were at a loss, wondering what, it, what this might lead to. Then someone came and said, look, the men you put in jail are standing in the temple courts teaching the people. At that, the captain went with his officers and brought the apostles. They didn't use force because they feared that the people would stone them. The apostles were brought in and made to appear before the Sanhedrin to be questioned by the high priest. We gave you strict orders not to teach in this name, he said. Yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Peter and the other apostles replied, We must obey God rather than human beings. The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead, whom you killed by hanging him on a cross. God exalted him to his own right hand as prince, as leader and saviour, that he might bring Israel to repentance and forgive their sins. We're witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. When they heard this, they were furious and wanted to put them to death. But a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, who was honoured by all the people, stood up in the Sanhedrin and ordered that the men be put outside for a little while. Then he addressed the Sanhedrin, Men of Israel, consider carefully what you intend to do to these men. Sometime again, few disappeared, claiming to be somebody, and about 400 men rallied to him. He was killed, and all of his followers disappeared, and it all came to nothing. After him, Judas, the Galilean, appeared in the days of the census and led a band of people in revolt. He too was killed and all his followers were scattered. Therefore, in the present case, I advise you, leave these men alone. Let them go. For if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it'll fail. But if it is from God, you will not be able to put a stop to these men. And you'll find yourselves fighting against God. His speech persuaded them. They called the apostles in and had them flogged. Probably 40 lashes minus one, shreds their backs, brutal beating. And then they ordered them to speak in the name, to no longer speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing. Isn't that strange? Beaten up brutally, squashed down, told to shut up by the authorities, but they leave rejoicing because they'd been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name name of Jesus. Day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is 
the Messiah, the rescuer, the saviour, the one who'd be the king to put it all right. That's what Messiah means. Come on, let's pray and ask that God would help us to understand this story. It's a great story. Lord, we thank you so much for, for building a church, for making a people who, who you love, whom you've forgiven. Lord, we thank you for this story, that this is our history, that it's a story of progress. But Lord, it's also a story of pressure, of persecution, of struggle. Lord, we pray that you would give us the same attitude that these apostles had, that they would rejoice in suffering disgrace because they knew your grace, because they knew your name. They knew it was all for you. Lord, we pray that you would help us to be people like this, who, who don't fake it, who don't just pretend to be Christians, but who have this joy deep down so that even through deep suffering, even through deep pressure, we might make progress. We might be part of your people who sing for joy. Lord, we pray that you teach us, you'd help us, you shape us as we open up this story. Lord, you change us to be people who, uh, who look like you and who love you and those around us more and more. Amen. Amen. Isn't it a great story? A story full of twists and turns, full of comedy. If you can think about it from Peter's perspective for a moment, that beginning, the apostles, Jesus followers, who'd seen him, who'd seen him do amazing miracles, teach amazing things, who'd seen him even raise people from the dead. Now they're doing signs and wonders, amazing miracles, amazing things that show people that this isn't just a normal group of uh, like political upstarts who are trying to get something going. Not just a normal group of religious people who are getting very serious about God. No, this is a group of people who have God with them. That's what this is all about. The signs that help the church make progress. The apostles perform many signs and then it gets a bit strange. Imagine Peter waking up one morning, lots of cool stuff's been happening, lots of people coming to faith, lots of people getting excited about following Jesus and beginning to love each other and give things away and live so that there's no needy people among them. That's chapter four, wasn't it? Peter's getting up and he's the leader of all these people. Maybe he's tired, maybe he's had a, a late night teaching a late night healing and, and helping. And then he gets up, opens this door, and there's a massive wall of sound that just hits him. And it's a sunny day. So as soon as he's out walking, he's finding it a little bit strange. Maybe he's getting used to it, I don't know. But he leaves his door out to get some milk in the morning and people are desperately pressing around him. Sick people. The families of sick people. People who are clearly troubled by deep spiritual issues. Strange things are happening and they're just trying to get close to him because it's a sunny day and Peter's shadow is falling on them. And as his shadow falls on them, they, they get healed. He doesn't even have to say anything. They don't even have to touch him. His shadow falls on them. And it seems really strange to us, isn't it? This kind of stuff doesn't really happen every day. Peter's the leader of the early church. God's spirit is with him, with them. Amazing things are happening. What's the point of all that? Well, it shows that they're approved by God. It shows that they aren't just some political movement, some religious keynotes. No, these are people that God is with. His power is among them, even in weird ways with his shadow. It must have been strange for Peter, but he's out walking the streets, teaching, healing. Everybody's buzzing. The whole of Jerusalem is buzzing, hearing about Jesus. He wasn't just somebody who failed like all those other teachers and leaders did, like Theudas and Judas, and there's countless other ones in Jewish history. Now he was somebody special. The stories really seem to be true. He forgives sins. He makes people's lives new. 
But then Peter goes to join the apostles in Solomon's colonnade where they used to meet and debate and argue and heal and help people. And people are beginning to get scared of them. Lots of people don't want to go and join them. The authorities are beginning to kind of shrink away because they can't answer them, can't answer their arguments. They're just too strong. Some people perhaps are beginning to shrink away because they heard of Ananias and Sapphira. And they don't want to walk in the light. They've got stuff that they're hiding and they don't want to come close to the apostles And in case, just in case that stuff gets exposed. They don't want to come close, but there's others. That's verse 13. No one dared join them, but there's others, countless numbers of men and women who came to believe in the Lord and get added to the church, to this group of people who, who've been forgiven, who are walking in the light. And Peter is their leader. It's an amazing time to be alive. But then all of a sudden, the high priests and their associates swoop down in jealousy. Getting into verse 17 and 18, they arrest the apostles, the, all of the 12, not just Peter and John now. And all of that buzz, well, begins to die down, at least fade into the distance, because now they're in jail. Now there's no sun shining, no shadows falling, nobody being healed. It's all quiet in the centre of the public jail. Maybe there were other people in there asking them questions, and asking for news of the outside, asking for healing. But, but this is a place where pressure is beginning to fall. It's all been wonderful so far. There's been a bit of pressure, there's been a bit of heat, but now they're back in prison. Now the persecution's here again. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> something amazing happens. They're in the midst of this storm of jealousy, of anger, where the most powerful people in the city have them under the thumb, have them imprisoned, have them tied down and silenced once and for all, because they're hoping it will be. And then all of a sudden, just as if it's the easiest thing in the world, some guest arrives. It's an angel. What did they look like? I don't know. But an angel arrives and unlocks the door. And then the next door, and then the next door, and out the apostles walk, free, into the city courts. And the angel says, go and speak, don't stop. Go and speak all the more about this life. And it really is life, isn't it? This good news about Jesus is life. It brings people from darkness into the light. So they don't have to hide anymore. They don't have to be crushed and squashed and pretend who they are. They can be real. They can be honest. That's life. It means that people who feel dirty, who've done stuff in the past, like I have, like you have, stuff that makes you feel guilty, that weighs you down, that can be forgiven, taken away. You can walk tall into the presence of God and know that he's your father because he forgives you. That's life, isn't it? People who are poor, who have nothing, who've been oppressed and squashed down and struggling with poverty the whole time, nobody giving them a second look, nobody giving them a job, nobody helping them out, nobody loving them. Now they come to a community of people who, who don't just talk about God's love, but they live it out. They give. They give until they're poor themselves so that other people can live and have food and drink and life. And that's life, isn't it? It really is. Life spiritually, life physically, life in community, life inside, life outside, life together. And the angel says, go and speak more about that. Go and tell them about Jesus. Go and tell them about the one who died so that you don't have to fear death, who was raised to life so that you could be forgiven, who is the king, exalted the prince, the leader, and the savior. 
who gives out life for free, whose hands were nails to the tree, whose blood was spilled so that you could live. He died so that you could know what it is to live. Go and speak about him. Speak about this life. And so they do. They go out and they keep filling Jerusalem with the sound of Jesus' name, with the sound of people weeping for joy at being healed, weeping for joy at being fed, weeping for joy at being forgiven. It's just a beautiful story and a bit of a comedy story as well because the next day Peter's out, he's free again, he wakes up, opens the door, another sunny day in Jerusalem, he's going out healing, teaching, the other apostles are doing their bit as well. It's a beautiful story but meanwhile the very serious powerful people have got together in their very important gathering in the Sanhedrin and then they give orders, strict orders to go and find the prisoners and drag them in but the prisoners are nowhere to be found. The doors are locked, there's no sign of a break-in or a breakout, but there's no prisoners. In fact, somebody notices that the prisoners are free out in the city streets speaking life. That's a beautiful story. But they're raging, aren't they? They want them to be put to death and they call them in and they say, look, you filled up the city with the teaching. We told you to be quiet. And now the city's full of the noise of Jesus. It's an omission of powerlessness. And you see who's now in prison? I mean, it's not that they're literally in prison, but they're in a prison of their own rage, a prison of their own jealousy, a prison of their own powerlessness to do anything in the face of the God who sets people free. I wonder if you've ever experienced that kind of thing, where, where you have everything that you need, but you still feel locked up, where you had that thing that you'd finally been saving up for and you bought it and you felt just as powerless as you did before. Where that relationship you'd always longed for, finally it was okay, but still you felt alone. Where everything seemed to be okay, where you were the top of the tree, the best in the class, but still you felt small, still you felt alone, still you felt insignificant, insecure, not quite right. Well, that's what these Sanhedrin, they have the posh clothes, they have all the political power you could think of, they have everything. They even put their enemies in jail, but still, still they're not free. Still they can't do what they want because God is the one who sets people free. God is the one who sets people free even when they're under real pressure. He's the one who can make progress in our lives and through our lives, even when we're under pressure and persecution. That's what the disciples find here, isn't it? They get beaten up, 39 lashes, brutally scarred. They would have carried those scars. They would have been bleeding as they walked out of the Sanhedrin. And yet they're, they're not put off. They're not squashed down. They're not crushed. They're not imprisoned. They're free. Their spirits are free, I mean. Free in the sense that they can go out and teach, but also free in their hearts. And you can't fake that. You can pretend to be a Christian and say the right things in church on a Sunday morning. You can pretend to be a Christian and try and sort your life out and make it tidy, but you can't have joy in suffering by faking it. You can't fake that. You can't just put on a smile and pretend that it's okay. If you do that, you'll just be empty within. You can't fake it for very long at least, and these guys weren't faking it. No, they had a joy that lasted. They had a freedom inside that really set them free, even when they were under the most severe pressure, even in the face of death, in the face of the people who crucified Jesus, they were free, free to speak about the one who sets us free and free to go out and have their hearts rejoicing 
even while their backs were bleeding. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that something that you want? Isn't that something that we want to define our community? To be people who aren't faking it, but who have joy deep down, even in the most difficult of things. They had joy because they were walking with Jesus. They knew Jesus, that he was the king of everything, but the king had been rejected. And so they were people, people who were serving the king of everything, who were being rejected just like he was. Back in John chapter 15, you can read about it. John chapter 15, verse 20, Jesus speaks to his disciples and he says to them, a servant isn't greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. The same world, the same authorities, the same people who've turned their backs on me, they'll turn their backs on you one day. But don't worry about that. Don't let it make you fret. Don't let it squash you down and silence you. No, they'll be turning against you because they turned against me. And it'll be a sign that you really do belong to me. So have you suffered any struggles because you're a Christian? Have people maybe turned their backs on you, gone cold to you in a friendship, in a relationship, in a workplace, because you're a Christian? People said things about you or to you because you follow Jesus. Well, I know that's difficult, but, but it should give us a reason to rejoice. Rejoice inside because that's what happened to Jesus. People turned their backs on him. They went cold to him. They turned him away. They even killed him. If you belong to him, you'll be under pressure too. There'll come a day when people will say things, will do things that persecute you just because you love Jesus and you follow him. Don't be afraid. When that happens, you can rejoice too, like the apostles did, even if it hurts, even if it makes you bleed. Rejoice because you're one of his. People do that to Jesus all the time. They do that to his followers too. But it's a witness. It's a witness to others that Jesus really is real. That even when pressure comes, even when he was killed, it didn't stop the message, didn't stop life from breaking out, didn't stop people from breaking out of the prisons of needing to impress others, the prisons of wanting more and more stuff, the prisons of, of I don't know, relying on people to love us and to make us feel like we're, we're worth something. You can break out from all of those prisons. You can be free, even in the face of great suffering, because you know that Jesus loves you. That Jesus is your treasure. That Jesus is the one who gives you life, even in the face of death. I wonder if you're free this morning. I wonder if you're somebody who's really still imprisoned by your past. Well, you can be forgiven by Jesus. He offers that to you today. I wonder if you feel imprisoned by just wanting more and more stuff and you can't seem to escape that consumerism. Well, Jesus is your treasure. Would you come and grab hold of him? Let go of everything else. You can be free. Are you tied down by wanting the approval of people. That's really what was the problem with the Sanhedrin. They loved other people looking up to them. And when they didn't anymore, when they wanted Jesus more than they wanted these guys, it burned them deeply. They were jealous and angry and enraged. Do you find that sometimes when people don't give you what you want, when people don't look up to you as you wish they would, when people don't love you or, I don't know, when they don't think as much of you, as you wish they would. Does that burn you deep down? Well, you can be free of that. You can come to Jesus and know that he loves you, that he'll never leave you, even through death. He'll hold you safe, bring you into life and freedom. Why don't we come to him now and ask him to set us free? Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are the one who sets us free. You are the one who rescues us, the one who 
who died, but who's alive, who forgives, the one who's the prince, who's our leader, who's our saviour. Lord, would you save us now? Whatever it is that's imprisoning us, would you free us from it? Would you make, would you make it so that you're the one we love and value most of all, that your approval, your smile is the thing we want most of all, that you would be our treasure, you would be the one who, who we know, who gives us life, so that even in the face of death, even in the face of persecution and lots of pressure, we would still make progress. Progress in loving you, progress in sharing you with those around us, that we wouldn't be private Christians, but publicly sharing you, filling up Ammonford, filling up this valley, filling up our communities with the sound of your name. Lord, we want to be people who are free. So would you free us this morning that we might know life in you. Amen.